Good morning. How's everybody doing? Well, we are in, for the month of January, talking about prayer. Um, talking about, like, really getting after the Lord. And here's, here's kind of the danger with, with this whole series, is um, the danger is that, that you would feel guilty for your prayerlessness and then respond in prayer. Like, on some level, there's a danger there. Do you, do you see the danger? Because it's like, oh, yeah, like, I should pray more, I feel bad, so uh, out of my feeling bad, I'm then going to go and do what I know I should do, as if to fulfill some, you know, request of your pastors, as if to fulfill some religious obligation. That's the danger, and that's kind of the, like, as I come this morning, like, I want to be careful of, and so what I want to do this morning is I want to, my, my goal this morning is to show you that the fight that we're in, okay, like we're going to look at, I don't know how many passages, but we're going to like, and you're like, yeah, this is what you do every time, you're right, but um, we're going to look at so many scriptures that talk about the fight of the Christian life, okay, um, and that prayer is our only hope in that fight. It's the main weapon we have in that fight. So, I don't know if there's many fighters in here. Anybody like to fight? Um, so maybe, maybe there's just something that wells up in you. <laughs> it's funny, I get all these smiles before kind of looking over at each other. Like, um, maybe like just the idea of getting revenge for you is something that like just weighs on you. Like someone does you wrong and in your mind you're like, they got it coming, okay? In your flesh, that's kind of where you go, okay? Um, or maybe it's just a matter of, like, injustice. And where there's injustice that's present, like, you want to stand up and you want to fight for that one or that few that is being mistreated, okay? Um, maybe it's just the, the battle of anger that something kind of wells up in you and, and um, you're just ready to go. Okay, um, it doesn't take much for some of us for people to push our buttons, and we have a certain way that we want to react. I've told you the story before um, of the time when we were having a, a wonderful lunch at Chick Fil A, and my daughter was in the play area playing, and um, so she starts climbing up, and she begins to go in the tunnel. Um, but standing guard at the tunnel was a girl that was, I don't know, a year or two older than her, and was just like, you're not coming through. So I kind of caught eye of it. You know, Mikhail tried to get through. You know, this little girl wasn't having any of it. And I was like, interesting. And, and then finally Mikhail got by, and I was like, that's my girl, you know. And, um, and so I just kind of didn't think much of it, um, went back to enjoying the peaceful uh, lunch with my wife as I gleaned through the glass, you know, where you're supposed to be in there watching your kid or whatever. Um, so, Mikhail disappeared into the tunnel. Um, about a minute later, this other girl comes out bleeding from her nose. She's bleeding, and um, so I'm like, uh, I hope I'm wrong about what I'm thinking in my head right now. Um, and so, I, I go up, and the, the dad at this point grabbed the girl, took her to the, the, the bathroom. Um, I'm like, Mikhail, what happened? And she's like, um, Daddy, I punched her in the face and made her bleed. And I'm just like, 
oh my gosh. Like, seriously, babe? Like, and I asked the question that all of us would ask, why? And she goes, she looked at me. She kind of, her face kind of dropped. She's like, Daddy, she was choking me. And so I hit her. And I'm like, you know, at this point, I'm like, well, let's go have a conversation with Dad and hope Dad doesn't, like, you know, start one with me. And, like, so there's, like, I mean, who, who of us wouldn't, if someone grabbed us around the neck, react in some fashion like that? Okay? There's something in us, right? This imagery of fighting is all over the Bible. Now, before you think I'm going to give you permission to go out and, like, you know, take out your neighbor or, you know, whoever, um, bear with me. But this imagery of fighting is all over the Scripture. Um, The first instance um, is 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, and here's what it says. This is Paul talking to Timothy. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Okay, so he he draws this imagery to this guy that he's discipling and raising up in maturity in the faith. And he's like, Christianity is a fight. And I'm calling you, my, my child in the faith, to fight the good fight. That, like, if you want to be in a fight, that's the fight to be in. There's bad fights in the world. There's fights that you just need to not give your time to. This is the fight, the good fight that I'm calling you into. He says in, uh, earlier in, in 1 Timothy, in chapter 4, verse 10, he says, For to this end we toil. Because he'll give you some context. He's talking about what it means to live holy before the Lord. Okay, and pushing away sin and living the life that God calls us to live. And so in 1 Timothy 4, it says, For to this end, living a holy, godly life, the way God would design, we toil and we strive. So that's, that word strive is the same exact word as the word fight in 1 Timothy 6. We fight because we have set our hope on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Okay, for those of you, many of us, we've been around the church long enough, we've been around Christianity long enough to know that we don't stumble into obeying God. Right? We don't stumble into obeying Jesus. Like, I don't accidentally stumble into being the mature man of God that I'm called to. Like, there's a fight that's present. Like, I have to get in the game, I have to get in the battle to fight it out. Do I not? Like, I'm not just going to accidentally, oh, hmm, I'm waking up. Like, oh, hmm, I accidentally read my Bible today. Oh, look, you know, I haven't really done much, but I'm a more mature person. No, like, it's a fight. It's a battle. Jesus depicting salvation in Luke 13. Here's what he says. Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able Do you you remember the story Jesus is saying? He's describing salvation. What does he say? He says, wide is what? What does he say is wide? Wide is the gate to what? Destruction. Hell. And many enter through it. But narrow is what? The gate that is to life. Is to salvation. It's narrow, which means that many are called, but few come, right? 
The, the invitation from Christ is to come, but very few are coming. And he's like, strive to enter through the narrow door. Like it's struggle, it's a fight to, to, to walk the road of salvation. Colossians chapter 1, verse 28 and 29 says this Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Okay, one of the greatest classic texts in the Bible on discipleship. What it means to, to, raise, to invest yourself in someone else and raise them up to maturity in the faith. Right there, okay? And so Paul is saying, this is a battle, because notice what he continues on in verse 29. For this I toil, or I labor, struggling, same word, fighting with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Because for those of you here that are in some type of discipling relationship, that feel like you don't have it in you, you're absolutely right. For those of you that are trying to invest in someone else, maybe in this room, maybe not in this room, or you know what, who know you're being called to invest in someone, but you're kind of like, I don't know, like I'm not ready, and I'm not, like, you're not. Can I just settle that for you? Like you don't have what it takes, you're not ready. Why? This scripture says that it's him in you. Okay? That it's a struggle. And it's a fight to do it and to do it well. And when you engage that fight, we heard testimony a couple weeks ago that God shows himself strong, he shows himself present. It's a struggle, it's a fight. Discipleship isn't just a thing that just happens. And I love the passage we've heard probably hundreds of times from Paul at the end of his life. What does he say in 2 Timothy 4, 7? He says, I've fought the good fight. I mean, earlier on in 1 Timothy, he's telling his child in the faith, Fight the good fight of faith. And here he's at the end of his life and he's looking back. And he's like, I fought the fight. I fought the good fight. Paul didn't accidentally become the man he, he was. He didn't accidentally stumble into writing two-thirds of the New Testament. There was an act of God in his life. God engaged him and he, he fought the fight. He was brutally beaten went through incredible difficulty in his life. But he was in the fight. And he's like, I fought the fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. This word fight is this idea of, this, of a challenge, of, of a contest of sorts. Th this life of a struggle, but here, here's the deal, with a prize attached to it. With a prize attached to it. So here, here's what it is. Listen, um, so... Um, earlier this year, I guess last year, um, Danielle, Danielle and I ran a marathon. And so it was probably, I would definitely say, one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Um, so it's the second one I ran. And I would have said the other one was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. So then I did another one. Um, and here in my mind, I'm thinking like, you know, it's my wife's first one. I'm going to really, you know, be the strong one and really show her like... <laughs> you know, get her to the end, and, you know, come the end of the, you know, mile 24, like, I'm going to be like, come on, babe, you got this, like, here's what you need to do, here's what I did last time, and, and like, I was, like, done by, like, mile 18, and it was, like, brutal, okay, um, but I hadn't trained for months and months and months to just quit, 
and my wife was the one who was pulling me across the finish line, um, I'll say. And, but listen, there was a prize in the end. And it was more than just like this little medal that I'm probably not really going to do much with. But it's the prize of accomplishing what we'd worked so hard for. Jesus depicts the fight in Matthew 11 to say this. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence. Who's John the Baptist? Someone? Who's John the Baptist? What did you say? He made the way for Jesus. The forerunner of Christ. He, he prepared the way. He said, Jesus is coming. So Jesus is saying, from the days of him until now, the kingdom of God has suffered violence, which means anyone and everyone has sought to destroy the kingdom of God. It's not to thwart the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus describes, this, this thing that we're in. So some of you just came to church today and just kind of like another day. No, it's not just another day. Like in the kingdom of God, like it's a battle. Maybe you maybe you sense that battle. I'll just tell you what, just tell you a way you can pray for us every Sunday morning. Without fail, our kids are a challenge. Every Sunday morning. Especially when I'm preaching. Coincidence? No. It's a battle. It's a spiritual battle. The enemy knows. Okay? Paul describes the fight this way, first Corinthians chapter nine. Verse 26 and 27. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control as after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. If any of you have competed in anything, you understand this. If any of you have done any type of competitive anything, you understand that there takes discipline and hard work beat my body that's that's nuts what is he saying he's saying there's a fight and i have to be prepared i'm not just going to stumble into being who god calls me to be i'm not just going to stumble into becoming this church that makes a difference in the community i'm just going to accidentally do these things i've got to wake up every day with the reality that there's an enemy who's coming after us When we ran, like in our training, I didn't just get up and be like, eh, I think I'll just go out and run a little bit today. Or when we have a plan, I'll just kind of be aimless. And just like, no, we had a plan. Like we knew, okay, this day's speed work, this day's hill work, this day's like, I really want to sit on the couch day, but no, I got to run really far. Like we had a plan to be disciplined to accomplish what God and put in our hearts to accomplish for whatever reason. I don't know why we ever thought we wanted to do that. I blame her. If you read the Bible, there's one thing that's present throughout all of it. It's opposition. Right? I mean, all over the Bible is opposition. People rising up against God's people. I mean, from, from the beginning. What happens? God creates the world. Incredible, beautiful, creates man, says that man is very good. Rhythm and beauty are functioning in the garden. He gives man a choice, and man decides to oppose God and say, I want to be God. I want to do what I want to do. I'm going to 
run outside the design of God. And from then, the world spiraled out of control. Creation spiraled out of control. Brokenness became ever-present. It's from the very beginning. But how incredible that even from the very beginning, Christ was depicted in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, to be the one who'd come and bring hope to the opposition. I mean, we, we could walk through so many different instances. You have in the Old Testament, Pharaoh and the Egyptians enslaving God's people for some 400 years. You have even the people, some of the people that God raised up, King Saul, who became a threat to God's kingdom. Try to kill King David. You have Goliath. You have Satan attacking Job. You have all the evil kings in the Bible and, and all their evil armies trying to thwart God's plan. And from the very beginning of Jesus' life, what do you have? King Herod tried to kill Jesus. The Roman government tried to destroy, even throughout the book of Acts, and even us at times, that oppose the very plan and ways of God. But here's the deal. Some of us today, maybe you don't realize it, but there's a battle for your soul today. Because the enemy... The Bible says the enemy is coming after you, right? Okay, but, but as God's people, okay, do we fear? Do we live in fear? Do, do, we, do we not want to go out of our house because there's an enemy coming? Do, do we not want to? No. Like, we know our identity as Christians, but we're aware of the reality of the fight, okay? Um, I love this quote by John Piper. Um, he says, you'll never understand what prayer is for until you realize that life is war. I've never been a soldier, okay? I've never fought in any type of war. I'm grateful for those that have. But I guarantee you that no soldier wakes up without the thought of, gosh, this is a battle today. The soldier gets out of bed, like, oh, I'm just going to leave my gun, leave my armor, I'm just going to go on a stroll. No. Like, it's a fight, it's a battle. John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. So if I told you that tonight someone was coming to your house and they were going to break in and they were going to steal your possessions, they were going to kill your family, and then they were going to destroy your house, I, would you prepare for that? Like I'm not trying to be prophetic, okay? So those of you that I'm scaring, um, yeah, like absolutely. Like you would prepare for that. As if, okay, like, we need to figure something out. Game plan one, um, we're not sleeping there tonight, right? Some of you are like, yeah, we're sleeping there. Who wants to come over, you know, right? No, you'd come up with some type of plan to thwart the enemy. How often do you wake up in the morning thinking, I have an enemy today? One of my favorite movies as of late is The Hunger Games. How many of you have seen The Hunger Games? Um, so, 
The Hunger Games is basically this annual event where they choose one boy and one girl between the ages of 12 and 18 from these 12 districts that surround the, the capital. And they're put out in a field in the woods and they fight out to their death till one of the 24, I won't spoil it at the end, but um, till one of the 24 um, wins out. Like, one of the most intense movies I've ever watched, okay? Um, loved every minute of it. Um, I- incredible. But here's the deal. So the movie depicted through the, through the, uh, the eyes of Katniss Everdeen, um, she lived with a sense of urgency, did she not? Like, as she, as she was in the Hunger Games, she was in the battle, she lived with a sense of urgency of, of anything that could happen. So, like, when she hurt her leg, right? All she could think about was her mentor saying that most people die from hunger or infection or... So she's like, this could be it for me. There was this sense of urgency that her, her life was in the balance. Or, and so First Peter 5, 8 depicts it like this. Be sober-minded be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Now listen, I tell my kids this all the time, every day. God is not giving you a spirit of fear because he's given you himself. Okay, so church, I want to I make us aware this morning, but I don't want to stir fear in us. Because we don't have a spirit of fear. Because we, like, we know the end, right? So it's not like two cosmic forces that are battling it out. And we're on the edge of our seats, kind of in the game. And we're wondering who's going to win it out, right? No, we know the gospel. We know the end of the story. We know God wins the, the battle. That the battle's been won for us as Christians. But listen, we live in the, the, the day in and day out reality of this Becoming in practice who we already are in the eyes of God, of pushing back what is dark in the world, of being in the fight as God's people. Now, go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6, we'll start at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Okay, so let's just stop there. I don't, I don't know how many of you, or how often I wake up and I'm just, I'm going to go in my strength. Like, I got this today. Like, I'm competent today. I, I know what I need to get done. I know what I need to do. And I don't say, okay, like, I need God's strength today. Anybody else do that? Like, you just wake up and just go. You know, get out of the house quick, go, go to work. Go do your, like, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Like, we can't do this on our own. We can't just rely upon our own abilities, our own strength. Which is why God gives us this armor. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. That you may be able to stand. You may be able to hold your ground because of what Christ has done. 
Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Okay, get this. The battle isn't physical. Okay, so I don't care how many guns you have or you just went and bought because you're afraid someone's going to come and take them. Okay? It's not physical. So it doesn't matter how tough you are physically or weak you are physically, how much ammunition you have or how much you know, smart you have. The battle isn't physical. It's spiritual, which means the battle isn't against the person across the room or the person you struggle with that isn't here or your family member or your neighbor. It's against Satan, the enemy. our only enemy. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the cosmic powers of this present darkness. Verse 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. I wonder how many Christians maybe take up some armor, but they don't take up the whole armor of God. They don't know all the weapons that God's given us at our disposal, mainly the weapon of prayer for the fight. And I'll get to some practicalities here in a second for those of you that are wanting that. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Like that, what is that? That's like living out the mission of God. Have feet fitted for the readiness of the gospel of peace. So the battle, like, and I'll talk about this more in a second, but we as so often think that the battle is just like this defensive reality. Where I'm going to put up my defenses, and I'm going to stand against the evil one as if I just play defense. But no, the battle, the battle is won offensively. Here's talking about going out and engaging, having feet fitted for the readiness to go out, bring the gospel to darkness. Verse 16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit. Okay, there's a phrase in there that almost distracts us from what's, what's happening here. In verse 17, Look at it. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. And then there's this descriptive phrase that says, which is the Word of God. Okay? So if we remove that, or not remove it, but just kind of put in parentheses, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, praying at all times. Okay, so this pr- like prayer is the fight. So Piper says, you'll never understand what prayer is for until you realize that life is war. And then he goes in to to describe how to pray with all prayers and supplications. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me. He's like, pray for me. He's like, I need you to fight with me. That words may be given me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mysteries of the gospel. I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So here's the deal. We're in a spiritual battle. 
And the primary weapon we have for that battle is prayer. Why? Because unless God comes, like we're done. Because it started out by saying we, we run in His strength, that we're strong in Him. If you look, look at Luke 21. So Jesus coming to the end of His life. In Luke 21, He gives Him instruction for the end of His life to the disciples. Here's what He says in Luke 21, beginning at verse 34. He says, But watch yourselves. Watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. Okay, let's back up. Um, what in the world is dissipation? Basically the overindulgence of pleasure. It's, it's letting your life waste away. Dissipate and spiral out of control. He's saying, be, he's saying this to Jesus is saying this to his disciples. Be careful. Like if you're not careful, this is what's going to happen to you. Is it not? This is what's going to happen to you. You're going to spiral out of control. If you don't stay in the fight, if you don't stay in community, if you don't stay in my word, if you don't battle in prayer. that day come upon you like a trap so in the hunger games um there's this scene where like all of the members of like the upper districts there's like five or six of them um join together join forces together sorry if you haven't seen it um and what do they do they get all the supplies and they put them in one spot right and they pile them up you know, all the food, all the resources, all the weaponry, um, everything you would need. And they put them all in one spot. And then what do they do? They set traps around it. Right? They put mines under the ground. So that someone comes, it'll, it'll kill them. Do you realize the picture that is? For what Jesus calls this life of dissipation and drunkenness and running after like so here's like everything you need okay and in the battle we think this is what we need but all around it the enemy has traps that when we run to the, those things it's going to destroy us it's going to destroy us. But continue on in verse 35. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. What is that saying? The enemy has setting traps for all of us. And many are stuck in them. Many Christians are stuck in them. They're living for him. But stay awake at all times. How? Praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Same, same word, to stand. The same thing that's depicted back or forward in Ephesians chapter 6. To stand in the power of the Lord. He says, pray that you may have the strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. In the Lord's strength, in the Lord's power. Okay, so how in the world do you fight in prayer? Here we go. Four things. 
for, I'm going to get as practical as I possibly can, how to fight in prayer. Number one, start your day with prayer. Psalm 119, verse 147 says, I rise before dawn and cry for help. I hope in your words. Like I rise before dawn. Like do you get up and you start your day with the reality that you're in a spiritual fight? Like I so often don't. And I, like I want to do it more. So help me. Let's help each other. Do you start your day? Parents, do you get up before your kids get up and pray and say, God, help me. I realize very well that when you have kids that get up at 5.30, that makes that very, very difficult. Okay? But there's no greater tool in the hands of the enemy to distract you than your kids, for those of you that are parents. Take opportunity. Okay, I want to start my day. God, help me today. I mean, all of us, kids, no kids. Do you start your day? God, I need you today. I'm in a fight today. Here's where I know the enemy will attack me because it's not 75 things, it's three is it not? Every single time. It's like the same three things. Put on your armor. Get ready for the fight. Say, God, help me not to kill my kids today. But help me to be patient with them. God, help me to be patient with my roommates. Help me to be loving towards my coworkers that are really hard to love. What do you know you're going into? You know yourself. But more than that, the Spirit knows you, and He can speak into you what you need to be aware of. Number two. So start your day with prayer. Number two, live with a sense of urgency in prayer all day. Psalm 28, verse 1 says, To you, O Lord, I call my rock. Be not deaf to me, lest if you be silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. What is he saying? Like, God, if you don't show up today, I might as well die. I have no purpose and no hope. That's what Jesus was saying in Luke 21 when he said, watch yourself. Be careful. Stay awake. So the passage in Thessalonians, it says, pray without ceasing. So that's not a call for you to just be on your knees all day. Boss, can't come in today? I got to pray. Although that'd be nice. You'd probably lose your job. Um, pray. It's, it's living with this attitude of, of urgency. Okay? That there's a real enemy, that I'm really in a fight, and I need God to come and be present. Okay? Because most Christians, and we're all prone to this, what do we, what do we fall into? It's just this going through the motions reality. Just this like, Ho-hum, God's there if I need him. I'll call for help when I need him. Living real crud. Uh, God, I need help here. Um, do you have a sense of urgency? Or do you view prayer as this means of comfort? 
Like, yes, it's that, okay? Like, I'm not knocking comfort. I'm not knocking, God, bring relief to my suffering. It's biblical. But prayer is more about God advancing his cause, his kingdom, and his name. And he's called us, he's invited us to play a part in the game. Number three, live proactively, not reactively. Anybody else tend to just live defensively? Kind of react to life? Kind of just react to the things that happen? But Ephesians 6, we just got done reading, says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Like That's active. Putting on the armor of God. Like that's an active choice. Okay, starting my day. God, I want to be ready. I want to be the person you're calling me to be today. As opposed to crud. What happened to today? Now, listen, you'll, you'll start your day. You'll start your morning. And still be like crud what happened to today, right? Like you'll get up and have a great time with the Lord. And all of a sudden be like, oh, crud. But it's active. Put on the armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Okay, so what does this look like? So you know that when you get to work, one of the most hardest things to deal with is gossip. So what do you do? God, give me the words to say or to not say when I get there today. Or you know that there's a certain person that when you're around them, they make you incredibly jealous. What do you do? You prepare for that. You pray towards that, against that temptation. You know, my wife's going to be gone. Sexual temptation could be present. I always try to do this. If I know my wife's going to be out of the house for a weekend, like I'll call some guys and be like, I'm home alone for a weekend. Pray for me. I want to honor the Lord. I want to honor my wife. I want to honor my family. Pray for me. I want to be proactive in the fight and not reactive. And like, what are, the, what are the three ways that the enemy's coming at you? Maybe it's when you don't get sleep, you're lazy or you're bitter or you're angry. What do you do? Be proactive and get some sleep. But here's the, probably the number one way that's neglected, I think, in the Christian life, is living out the mission of God in the world. Is bringing the gospel t- to Christians and non-Christians alike. So it's not just this, like, I have to stand against sin in the sense of, you know, stopping it, like defensive, but it's like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out, I'm going to find people who have need, I'm going to help them, I'm going to serve them. I'm not promoting just being busy to distract us. Live on mission. I had a high school student that taught me this. So the reason why we continually struggle with sin is our aim is to defeat sin. Like we live our lives trying to defeat sin 
when all the while the call is an invitation to the Savior, to run hard after the Savior, and in the process, sin will be defeated. You can't sit at the feet of Jesus for very long before he begins to convict you, and before he begins to call you to a life of obedience and to repent of things. One mission. The last thing. Fighting community. Colossians 4 verse 12 describes it this way. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. That you may stand mature, fully assured in all the will of God. I was at Home Depot the other day, standing in some aisle, buying something dumb for my house again. And uh, I saw um, a pastor friend, been here a couple times. I don't even know him that well. Um, his name is Steve. And uh, he, he came in and he's like, hey Dave, you know, most of the joyful guys in the world. He's like, how's it going? I'm like, it's going all right, man. It's, it's tough, and just, just filled him in on life and ministry, and, um, he said, and he just looked me in the eye, and he's like, I've been praying for you. I'm just like, I don't, I don't really know you. Like, I know him, but I don't really know him. And he's like, I just know that, like, people are praying, and I was just like, I was just so blessed. Because, like, when you're in the battle, all of us, when you're in the fight, as a minister of the gospel, all of us need people holding us up, lifting us up. Like Epaphras, struggling on your behalf. And I know this happens here all the time. Text messages. Me and Rick and Mike do that all the time, just text each other. Bam. Pray for me here. Pray for me here. I know the women do it. On our Facebook page, I know there's text messages that happen. I know there's small groups that are being put into place to fight together, to pray together in community. Every Thursday night, guys get together with Ben and they fight together in prayer. Had a blast Thursday night praying. Strengthened my soul. Every Sunday we get together over here and just say, God, come be here. We pray for one another. We pray for a move of God. Struggling together, fighting in community. So what does it look like for you? Um, I, I don't even need to ask, okay, if, if we need to kind of up our whatever antenna or our awareness that we're in a spiritual battle? Because the answer is yes. So that's my, that's my challenge to us as the people of God this morning. Is to realize as a church like that we're in a battle. And we need to make others aware that we're in a battle. When difficulty comes, 
or when it doesn't come, we need to be aware. We're going to, hey, you know, you're having a hard time. Like, are you praying? Men, are you leading your families to pray? Men, are you leading your families to, to start the day in prayer? Men, are you praying for your wives? Are you praying for your kids? Are you in the battle? When was the last time you asked someone, hey, are you praying? When was the last time you got on your face for someone else in this community? The cool thing is I know you're doing it. I love that you guys, we fight with one another. We need to be more aware of the battle that we're in. Let's pray. want to give you a second to just take in some of what's been said this morning. The goal isn't to make you feel guilty. The goal isn't to twist your arm. This morning, the goal is simply that we'd come to the realization through the teaching of the word that we need him, that there's an enemy, his name is Satan, and, but there's a savior, his name is Jesus. So I just want to give you an opportunity to just talk to the Lord. Maybe you need to confess, you need to pray, prayers of thanksgiving. Father, we confess this morning that we're not desperate enough for you. That we don't realize the battle we're in. We become desensitized to it. I pray this morning you'd help us. God, you'd help me to open my eyes to this fight. I want to be a man that gets up and gets on my face and cries out to you. God, would you show us this morning that we're helpless without you? Would you show us the means that we have to cry out to you in prayer? Father, I ask that you would, by your grace, birth in our hearts A dependence on you. That by your grace, you'd show us this morning that we are hopeless and helpless unless you intervene in our day and that we won't accidentally become who you've called us to be. We won't accidentally re- lead people to Jesus. We won't accidentally defeat sin in our lives. God, would you use this to set a foundation, to set a springboard to make us a church that's aware of the battle we're in that uses the community that we have 
to push us deeper into you and deeper into the fight, deeper into the game of Christianity. That we'd struggle with all your energy that you so powerfully work within us. We'd stop trying to do it on our own. So once again, we confess that we try to do it on our own way too much. Would you lead us to be a church that prays? We love you and cry out to you in Christ's name. Amen.